Welcome back to Let's Get Haunted with your hosts, Matt Strong and Allie. Welcome back, guys, to episode 150 of Let's Get Haunted. Nat and I are here again in the studio in person. So excited to be bringing you another excellent episode of Let's Get Haunted. But before we get to that, we need to insert a quick disclaimer. If you're new to the show and you've never listened to it before and you don't know the format and you don't understand who we are and we've already been talking too long for your liking, then you should know that at any time during this intro, which usually lasts anywhere from 5 to 20, sometimes 30 minutes, anytime during this time, you can just expand those show notes and the very first sentence in all caps will say skip two and then a timestamp and you're free to skip to that time at any time in order to get to today's story yeah and i wanted to add if you guys hear weird robotic noises in the background (laughs) i am on hold on a line um for a service that we really need to do um and i so you're just gonna have to bear with us i know in the background every once in a while you might hear um, something that's like, please hold for our operators. This is a very unusual wait time for us. And I'm like, shut the fuck up. It is not an unusual wait time for you and your stupid company. I always wonder <laughs> if like people are listening in on the line while they say that you're on hold, just like seeing if they want to pick up or not. I don't even know if that's possible. Does anyone here work at like a switchboard for a company? Does the, Do those exist anymore? What if that voice that's like, please excuse the wait, like you're on hold or whatever. What if it's not a robot? It's, just it's a someone. real guy. Yeah, it's a real guy. They're just like sitting there listening. And he's I, like crying because he's like, everybody's getting so mad. I'm just doing my job. <laughs> this is probably old news by the time oh, that 100%. this episode comes out. But we just found out that the Titan submersible did in fact implode instantly uh, upon its descent towards the Titanic. Um, so now we don't have to worry about it anymore. Rest <laughs> in peace. Yeah, definitely uh, still very sad, but also given the alternatives, this is probably the best case scenario that could have happened. While I was working today, I was listening on my headphones to a live stream on YouTube and the expert was like, literally it would have been over so fast. They would not have known anything was wrong at all. It would have been like a millisecond and then it was all over. That made me feel better because I'm telling you guys, submechanophobia coupled with just like normal human empathy Mm-hmm. Um, has made it hard to sleep at night yeah, since this sub went missing. Yeah, I was. Th- I think about it all night, like, <sighs> and I don't know why because I like it has nothing to do with me. I'm powerless against it. That's why sometimes I hate Reddit because I'm like, what is the point of me <laughs> knowing any of this shit? Like, right. I don't, I don't know. I have no idea what's going on, and I don't care to find out more. I'll <laughs> wait until Reddit recommends to me, like, explain like I'm five. Someone having the questions I have, but in like a more thought out question, and so then someone answers it perfectly, and then I'll essentially be the exact same as I am right now. Yeah. Uh, so I just try not to think about all of these things I don't understand too much. And just live in uh, harmony with the peace and the nature. Do it up. Live with the peace. Live with the nature. See a bird. Talk to the bird. That's what I always say. (laughs) And that's how you go through life not getting into submersible vehicles that then implode. And then everyone you ever knew has a really bad time. You know what? As I'm speaking right now, I'm like, no, this is still haunting me. (laughs) This is, it's not going away. Something positive happening in the world right now is for this episode, I would love to give a big shout out to Anna Kay. 
Peter D, Nick, Daisy F, Stuffy, Soleil, Yuzu Fruit, Sasha, JM, Michelle Pie, Taylor B, Emily JB, Kara B, Kara B, Spooky Joey, Crystal, Samantha M, Camille, Death by Bunny, Daniela R, Jenna M, Ross, Richard O, Anne D, Kelsey L, Jill, Kinley R, Marianne M, Amina A M, Julia C, Jose P, Aiden T, Rhiannon R, and Chloe L. Thank you all so, so much for being a donor. Thank you guys so much. Literally cannot express to you guys how much this means to us. And literally everything we do depends on the Patreon right now. It really does. Yeah, we're paying our rent with the Patreon. We're paying our bills. We're paying for everything that runs the business right now. So we could not do this without you guys. And we really, really, really appreciate it. If you're thinking about joining the Patreon, you can go to patreon.com forward slash let's get haunted and look at the different tiers there and there are two tiers available for subscription purchase subscriptions are in a one month period of time much like a netflix subscription but you know what we have that netflix doesn't have me neither if you can think of what we have that they don't have let us know in the comments anyway natalia what's happening i don't have interesting personal hauntings right now i feel like i'm operating on like two hours of sleep and like stress and like all this weird shit and uh yeah it's been a fucking day so the day started with me thinking that perhaps <laughs> i had i had like something wrong and so i had to go get i get an emergency doctor appointment with my old gynecologist here in la that i basically ghosted before i gave birth because i was like hey i don't want you to be at the birth yeah. even though you've been my obg <gasps> I why am this entire time like because I basically got what I needed from you and now like your vibes are freaking me out yeah. so I don't want you to be there uh, because I'm nervous and everyone deals with fear in a different way. True. Yeah. Facts. And then this is too much medical information. I'm sorry. I felt something weird inside my vagina and I was like what is this? This is not there before. Is this a tumor? Am I going to die? What's happening? But then it turned out to be fine. It turned out to just be that my cervix was torn. I tore my cervix when I gave <gasps> birth which is just as scary why you know so it's just been a haunted day now i'm trying to make a police report (laughs) with the los angeles police department because i went there after uh this appointment at the obgyn because something bad is happening in our lives or not bad i guess neutral (laughs) uh you could find the silver lining in it i suppose one could say that it's brought us all closer together who knows so now we're uh we're on the phone with them and just i'm just trying to act like this is a normal day and everything's fine everything is fine everything's great everything's going well without further ado let's just get into it natalia what do you have prepared for me today so today's story details a very peculiar paranormal murder so i know that all of you true crime haunties that are hiding in the shadows underneath the fridge are gonna love this episode but for the haunties that cannot stomach true crime fear not because this story is not your average sad unsolved murder for me personally, I don't like true crime, so I feel like this I wouldn't pick a story that was true crime. I'm just mm. very sensitive to human suffering after the birth of my son. It's just really hard for me to get through any true crime or crime story like in general where someone is hurt or dies or suffers. But I feel like this story is very different because it has 
so many paranormal elements to it that it really has the ability to open up a conversation that we don't often navigate in our field, which is skepticism and the relationship to supernatural experiences. So a paranormal true crime situation. Now, this has me thinking, um, perhaps somebody was bitten by a vampire. Perhaps somebody was uh, murdered when they tripped over a ghost. Or... Some third thing that I that you haven't told me yet. Um, yeah, you know, you're just going to have to listen to the story and find out it could be any of those things. I'm ready. I'm buckled the fuck up. Let's go. The year is 1991. The Soviet Union had just fallen, ushering in a new age of global power. The Cold War is officially over, but in the United States, things are more tense than ever. Tens of thousands gather in Washington, D.C. to protest the Gulf War. In Los Angeles, amateur video captures the police beating of Rodney King. In Milwaukee, serial killer Jeffrey Dahmer is arrested after the remains of 11 people were found in his apartment. But the world is about to change, drastically. In 1991, the World Wide Web had just been invented for browsing. Communication was still primarily through telephone or snail mail, and not the kind of instant contact smart cell phone we've grown accustomed to either. I'm talking about landlines with answering machines that used tape recorders. You call someone, and if they're not home, you leave a message on a tape and hope that they return your call. It was a very different time in 1991. Allie, do you remember the 90s? Do you remember the tape recording message machines? I don't remember if we had a tape or not, but I know for sure we had an answering machine. I don't know if it was digital or tape. Um, But I remember, yeah, it used to like flash and you would get home and you'd push the button and it would be like, you have six new voicemails. (laughs) And then you'd have to listen to all six. And if you wanted to delete them, they were gone forever. But a lot of the time, if like someone that was like a loved one for your family called, you would keep it on there. So then every time you listened to your voicemails, you would have to like listen to the same ones that you had saved yeah i i just remember we had a tape one um and i remember like calling our house and recording messages to like listen back to my voice like i would sing. oh really yeah i would like (laughs) sing and leave a message singing and then i would like listen to it on the tape and be like wow i'm a really good singer um i also remember like just trauma dumping on my friends random houses because i would like call you know you had all your friends numbers memorized Mm -hmm. and then you would call them to see if they wanted to play and if they didn't answer i would just like leave a message that was just telling them all the stuff i would tell them if we were going to play together so in 1991 christopher chase was a 35 year old man living in richmond virginia The sources on this are all, I don't know what the fuck is going on with this. I don't know if it's because this happened in 1991 when the internet had just taken off. So like a lot of newspapers didn't uh, like fact check their stories or whatever. But almost all of the sources differ on how these names are spelled, differ on some of these cities that they're talking about, like where he was born or where he was in or where he was from. Some of the sources are all the same, but some of them are different. So some say he was living in Richmond, Virginia. Some say he was living in uh, 
Raleigh, North Carolina. Oh. It could be a combination of them because I know he traveled a lot for work. So I'm just saying if you're listening to this and you're like, well, that's not right. I heard something else. What you probably heard is all fucking wrong. Yeah. I don't know what the fuck is happening. You can click through all of the sources in the description box. I have them all linked below. Sources note that Chase had many talents and many interests, including fitness and music. This guy was buff. For the time, he was like a a, a bit of a gym rat, they would say. And he was really into music. He produced music. He was, um, what do you call it? Like an audiophile? Someone who just likes 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 audio likes music yeah. yeah yeah he was really into specifically ancient music oh interesting i know because i'm like how do you even know what ancient music sounds yeah. like yeah is it like throwing a rock down a hill <laughs> i can't i don't know i don't know is it like when they played that sound through that like old egyptian mummy's throat, throat and, and it, it was, was just like, like <laughs> <laughs> How undignified. How fucking horrible. Can you imagine if your corpse was dug up centuries later and then someone just blows air through your vocal cords? Right, like a whistle. That was gross. (laughs) So Chase, he's a healthy guy and he was perceived as kind of a loner because he didn't want to date anyone or at least perceived from the outside because I think it would depend greatly based off of who's telling the story, right? Like some people are saying, oh yeah, he was a gym addict, but maybe he wasn't. Maybe he was just a person who works out. Some people might say to me like, oh yeah, you're like obsessed with working out. And to me, I don't think, I don't think going to like yoga or Pilates every day is obsessed with working out. I just think that's normal for me. I wouldn't yeah. call that my main interest. So people are saying that, that he was a gym rat, but like, what does that mean? Right? Yeah. You know, on the scale of gym rats, was he obsessed? Like, he couldn't sleep at night because he was just thinking about dumbbells and <laughs> he didn't want to have sex with people because he was just getting aroused right. by cables and police by systems. swamp ass. <laughs> <laughs> Chase was perceived as intelligent and sophisticated and rational and smart. People really liked him and perhaps this was because of his taste in music because he was so um, passionate about this ancient composition from you know ancient Rome and ancient Egypt and ancient Greece these things just really fascinated him he really wanted to play music from that time period all the time and really surround himself with things like that so I could see people being like yeah that's sophisticated I mean compared to like I don't know you know me like thinking party in the USA is like one of the greatest compositions of all time yeah perhaps that doesn't seem as sophisticated but I would disagree so like who's coming up with these superlatives and adjectives yeah who's to say you know we think of Mozart as being a very like highbrow musical individual but in 300 years from now are people going to be playing Miley Cyrus over whatever the new version of a speaker is it's like a conch shell that's (laughs) welded to your ceiling and it spins around and squirts paint while Miley Cyrus sings I don't know. And maybe that's going to be the new highbrow. Right. (laughs) What the fuck? (laughs) Here is a picture of Chase. I don't know where this photo is from. This is like one of the few surviving photos that everyone seems to use of him. It looks like it's actually a still from a video. Yeah, it kind of looks animated. Um, My gut reaction, it could just be because it's a little far away, but my gut reaction was to be like, is that a drawing? Um, yeah, he. it looks like somebody ran a photo through some sort of filter that kind of makes it look a little like a painting or something. But yeah. he's wearing a red shirt. It is. It has the characteristic sleeves cut off like a gym rat. Mm-hmm. He has 
I don't know what's under his arm. Is that an air conditioning unit? And then he's holding a little piece of pink paper that I can't read. And then he's got glasses and a beard and hair. Yeah, yeah. he kind of looks like a modern hipster. You know how everyone tries to look like a 90s dad or something? He kind of has that look. But he looks healthy, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's holding an air conditioning unit. So, <laughs> like, he's definitely super buff. Is, oh, yeah. Is that a fan or something? I don't know. You guys, it could be anything. Could Look be at this chair. picture. Go I'm to at sure. Let's Get Haunted on Instagram and open the photo dump and you tell me what you think that is. So Chase was a radio DJ. He was like a local radio personality. So people in this town in North Carolina, they liked him and they knew who he was because he was like their local DJ that they would listen to, you know, on their way to work, on their way back from work, at work. Oh. Uh, basically all the time. Wow. So he was probably like a hometown um, celeb. Yeah, celeb. Yeah, that's the vibe that I got. So in his local town, he was the super popular radio personality, you know, like big fish in a little pond. But he had larger ambitions, obviously. So when the opportunity to work as a music exec higher up in the Seattle based company called Muzak Holdings, he uh, arose. He decided to jump at this chance. Now, do you know what Muzak Holdings is? And I could be saying that wrong. It might be Muzak. Is it M U Z A K? M U Z A K. Yes. That sounds really familiar. Um, but no, I don't. I can't think of what it would be. Wait, let me just make a guess. Is it some sort of like? No, never mind. Not going to guess. But I that name sounds so familiar to me. Well, now I want to hear what you were going to say that you deemed was inappropriate. Oh, no, I didn't deem it was inappropriate. I was just like, that's stupid. Maybe you weren't listening hard enough and she already said it's not that thing. What were you thinking it might be? Like some sort of um, like computer thing where like you can download stems to create music with. Oh, wow. That's like really that's a good one. Um, no, it's not that at all. Oh. It is actually a company. A conch shell that spins around <laughs> on your roof squirting paint. Muzak Holdings is a company that's known for creating background music of our lives. Like the oh. music that's played in elevators, the music that's played in shopping malls, um, the music that's played while you're on hold with an airline. Like they make like, you know, background music. Iconic. Yeah. So Chase is like, hell yeah, I'm going to go be a music executive. Like, see you losers in this small town. Don't need you. Yeah. Just kidding. He goes to Seattle and he like maintains his friendships with his old friends back in Raleigh. Like he never truly lets them go like 100%. But I always think it would be so fun. Like if if you moved in 91 across the country, right, from like from North Carolina all the way to Seattle and there's no social media. There's no internet. You don't have a cell phone. Like, that's a, like a buy. You know, buy. Like, start over new life. Like, you could go there and you could tell everyone, I'm not a gym rat who likes music. Um, I'm a, a, a dancer who uh, likes fireworks. And my name's Jim Bon Trobon. I'm a robot. A yeah. <laughs> I have a goatee and I'm a robot. And they would be like, sure, that's fine for you. Yeah. You know, just make up increasingly bigger and bigger lies that you know eventually you won't be able to maintain. That's what I say if you move to a new location. So Chase, people who know him from this new company he's working at, they all describe him as being this level-headed guy that's really ambitious and he's like always to work on time and he's reliable and he's real even keeled. But also to counter that point, I'm like, 
when you're at work with a bunch of new people and you just got hired at this new job, you're probably not going to let your freak flag fly right away. Yeah. In fact, that would be a pretty big red flag if you go to a brand new location and just start taking your pants off, blowing up the toilets, (laughs) throwing (laughs) trash all over the place. That would be really bad. I think most people, even if they are a little freaky, are going to keep it under wraps for at least the first couple of months, wouldn't you think? I mean, minimum. Because in my mind, I'm thinking like, all of these descriptions of him as being kind of a loner and like, oh yeah, he didn't really like, you know, have promiscuous sex. He didn't really like date anyone. All he did was work and travel for work and work out and like drink water and go to sleep on time. Yes, that's what you want your coworkers to think about you. Right, yes. So for work though, he does have to travel like all over the country very often because Muzak Holdings is doing big time background music stuff that we don't even know about. On April 11th of 1991, Chase goes to a work trip to San Francisco. He has a meeting with other music executives. And during that trip, Chase is somehow introduced to a woman who's about 20 years older than him. She was said in some of the sources to have long, dark hair Mm. and um, like light, sparkling eyes and be attractive. However, like I said, I don't know who is who is saying this person is attractive. It's all subjective. Um, Sources differ on whether he was introduced to this woman on kind of like a double blind date Mm. or if he just met her like out at dinner you know after um this meeting like we're not exactly sure how he met her because the sources differ but we do know that it was related to this work trip okay so he meets this older woman and he's talking to her and they're having a good time because she also is into ancient music no way she's into ancient she's a liar (laughs) she saw this guy and she was like you know what i think that this is my conquest for the evening i'm gonna pretend to be into whatever obscure hobby he's into oh you like ancient music oh look i have some sticks right here the (laughs) ancientest of utensils for music so chase and this woman they're having like these deep conversations about their love of ancient music and ancient Egyptian music and um she also likes other like ancient mediterranean music and i really don't know anything about any of this ancient music yeah. so i'm just going to continue to refer to it <laughs> as ancient music and i know have, that's do you have like a clip example let's let's just google All what right. comes up when you type in ancient here music. we go here we go google ancient Egyptian. <laughs> I don't know why I'm laughing. It's, you want to know why I'm laughing? Because it's such an obscure hobby that the odds of two people just randomly, like, having a chance meeting, having the same... Oh, wow. All right. I feel it. Wow, that's a banger. Just picture, like, Shakira, like... And then Miley Cyrus comes out. <laughs> I want to show you my ancient music. <laughs> this is a vibe. Okay. All right. I like thinking that, you know how like producers put their name, like Mike Will made it. Like, yeah. I, I like thinking just like ancient music. <laughs> Tutankhamen made it. <laughs> um. Anyways, don't know if that's ancient music at all. Don't know if that's offensive. Don't even know if any of those instruments were Egyptian. Who the fuck knows? That's just the first thing that came up. Uh, it, when I Googled this, it was called Ancient Egyptian Music Tomb of the Ancients by Fantasy and World Music by the Phi-Actors. Um Sounds legit because world music is like a, a very large genre. And I've, I've seen, okay, one time when we were doing an episode on Hawaiian folklore, 
I wanted to put some music in the background, but I wanted it to be accurate. So I was looking up like Hawaiian music from whatever era that we were looking for, I think 1800s or maybe early 1900s. And I realized that the U.S. government will will pay musicians from certain communities to lay down their tracks for being like to archive them forever in the U.S. archives. And you can pay money. All of it is royalty free because the government's paying for it. And you can like, I think I paid for a subscription so that I could like download the tracks and it's set on there like free to use. What? I know. Isn't that kind of cool? Like I didn't realize our government did anything cool. Yeah, that's really dope. That's so cool. They should do more of that and like less of the other stuff. Yeah. So I'm wondering if this like world music thing that you played, the whatever channel that was, is one of those organizations that where like a government or an NGO will pay for like someone to preserve a song. There's like all these stupid shit post comments under it. And one says, I remember this when this album first hit. It was amazing. Everyone loved it. It made pyramid building so much easier. <laughs> someone else said, I was reading a book listening to this. Suddenly all the words turned to hieroglyphics. Anyways, these are stupid, wholesome shit posts. I like that. Love it. So, yeah, they're, like, getting down to talking about ancient Egyptian music. So this woman, you know, she's feeling a connection there. And so she's just going with the vibes, and she makes an advancement on Chase. And she's like, hey, how about let's leave this place and go somewhere quieter? And Chase is like, why? No, let's continue to talk about the ancient music. Like, I don't want to leave this place with you. And she tries to, you know, be like, hey, I'm trying to fuck, basically. And he's like, oh, no, I'm not. I don't do that. Really? Yeah. And some of the sources says it's because he was trying to be respectful because she was 20 years his senior that he, like, put her down easy. And I don't know if that means he didn't want to sleep with her because he was not attracted to someone who was 20 years older than him or if he felt like oh, this is my, this is someone who's older than me. I should have respect for them mm. and let them down easy so as not to embarrass them. Right. Or does it mean like me? I would never disrespect anyone who is 20 years older than me with my whack dick. You yeah. know what I, mean? <laughs> I don't know what that meant. Right. Or maybe he just doesn't like one night stands. Yeah. He's like, you know what? I'm not that kind of girl. I think that, you know, maybe next time, maybe we, we take this to, uh, you know, the streets of Bethlehem or wherever else <laughs> there's ancient music. And we'll talk about it on the fourth date. So he basically tries to let her down easy, tries to be really polite about it. But the woman gets just angered by this rejection. Oh, that's incel Yeah, very incel. She totally just changes her demeanor from being like this very seductive, sweet, like charming woman into a infuriated bitch. And Ew. she reveals to Chase that she's a, a witch a real witch and that she is going to make him regret that decision to not sleep with her and she tells him that she's going to curse him and most terrifying of all she promises that he's going to be dead by the end of the week what she literally is like you will be sorry you will be dead by the end of the week for not sleeping with her i'm a witch and I'm going to curse you. This is, okay, this is a very terrifying level of incel that we have just unlocked. Yeah. Because previously, I just assumed all incels were just bitter people that congregate in the dark recesses of the internet and talk about how much they hate uh, people that won't date them and yeah. fuck them. And then sometimes they will go on to, like, perform atrocities, but not 
paranormal atrocities. I feel like incels, for whatever reason, I could be wrong. I feel like they wouldn't believe in the paranormal. Yeah. You know, I feel like I could not possibly try to understand how an the incel mind of an incel. <laughs> um, and every time I do, I come up short. So uh, I'm not going to attempt to do that. But for all of you witches out there that are like, this is witch slander. We'll talk about that later. Just okay. fucking listen to the story, everyone, without getting triggered. We're going to go through all of the th- stuff at the end. Okay. I can't guarantee that. <laughs> <laughs> So Chase hears that she's a witch and that she's going to curse him and he's going to regret it and he's going to be dead by the end of the week. And he's just like, okay. That's weird. <laughs> yeah. He's, yeah. He's basically like, okay, bye, Felicia. And the next morning he flies back to Seattle because what what else is he going to do? But he goes to Seattle and he calls one of his friends, his female friend from North Carolina and he's like, hey, you got to listen to this crazy shit that happened to me on this work trip in Seattle yesterday. Um and he tells her this insane story about how he denied this older woman witch dick and she just, oh, no, wait, no. How he- Muggle den- dick. Yeah, he denied this older witch dick and then she got so angry that she cursed him. And his friend, her name was Sammy Soda. Some people say her name differently. Some people say it's Sodare. Some people say her name is spelled S-A-M-I. Some people say S-A-M-M-Y-E. There's all kinds of different spellings. Mm. I don't know why. Um, So I'm just going to call her Sammy. He tells her about this and she actually happens to be a psychic and she's also a school teacher. And I also don't know if those were just added in post, but (laughs) that's what people were saying about her. So she's like, you know, that's just weirdo incel behavior. Don't worry about her. Yeah. Like real witches don't do that. And, you know, just keep living your life. That's weird. And he's like, yeah, it's super weird. And, And Chase is not like a religious person. So he's not really thinking like. Okay, witches are real or curses are real. But Chase has a hard time forgetting about the incident. On April 14th, Chris calls Sammy in the morning and tells her that he couldn't sleep at all because he heard whispering voices keeping him up all night. And he tried to locate the source of where these voices were coming from in his apartment, but he was unable to find the source. He could just hear these strange voices coming from all different directions all night. Also... He heard footsteps in the apartment, just rushing around, not really sure where they were coming from. He also saw shadows pacing in the hall, dancing in the hall, some might say. And worst of all, he felt like someone was in his house watching him sleep all night. So understandably, he did not sleep well that night. Sammy hears this and is like, you know what? You're probably just paranoid. You haven't slept. You've been out of your routine. Uh, you know, you just went on a work trip and didn't sleep that night. And then the next night you didn't sleep. And you're probably just having nightmares about that really uncomfortable situation where you clearly expressed a boundary with someone and they did not react well. And that's a very stressful situation to have happen. And so maybe your brain's just trying to process that. And a couple days pass. Until April 16th, Sammy gets another phone call. This time, Christopher tells Sammy that he was attacked. What? In his sleep. Chris tells Sammy in horror that last night he literally woke up to someone putting their hands around his throat, strangling him. An invisible dark force that was so strong, it literally levitated him off of the bed and then slammed him back down into the bed. He tried to take the hands off of his throat. He tried to fight back, but he was paralyzed. He couldn't move at all. He was just laying there while all of this was done to him. And then to make things even more haunted, when he woke up and he looked at the mattress, 
there was blood on the mattress and he saw that he had little tiny cuts on all of his fingers, like paper cuts. I don't like this. So that encounter on April 16th where he was like levitated and then slammed down and had blood in his sheets and all of that. What the fuck? Yeah, that one really changed him. So he's like, you know what? <laughs> Maybe I have a problem here. Maybe I have to do something about it. This is okay. Did All I keep thinking is, so this incel witch cursed a guy who, who had a common interest with her and... Then what? Unleashed a horde of incel demons and ghosts? And then then that got me thinking, wow, I bet you there are a lot of incel demons and ghosts out there. <laughs> Wait, why? And I've never thought about that before. I don't know, because I feel like if your heart is full of hatred, you die faster than most people. That's true. I mean, you would hope. But yeah. it seems like a lot of them just well, kind of stick around and cause problems. I'd email stuff to you. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. But it just seems like it seems like that is the case. I feel like you got a lot of, of baggage that you're not dealing with. That's going to cause some stress. If you fully believe that you are entitled to ancient music sex and you're not ever getting it because only two people on earth besides you have that common interest. And one shot you down. Like, you're going to be stressed out for your whole life, right? Right. So you're going to die. So then you're going to become an incel ghost. Because you're going to be like, I can't leave this plane of existence because I need to find another hot person and fuck their shit up. Maybe she really was like a demon, though. And that's why she was into ancient music. Because, like, she was from ancient times. Oh, my God. That's really scary, isn't it? I think we've cracked the case because that would make the most sense out of anything. Like, she was never real. She was just an ancient Egyptian ghost. <laughs> that really that's wanted the to end. fuck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the end. <laughs> so Chris goes and he visits this religious bookstore that's called Evangel Unincorporated the next morning. And I just sent you this bookstore oh. It's still in existence. There's an Evangel, that bookstore, and uh, I'm not sure if this is the same one or not, but I think it is because this one is in Oregon near-ish Seattle, and he could have driven there to get to it, but you want to describe it? Yeah. So I just opened it. Natalia sent me an Apple Map link, and you can see the photos that people have posted on Yelp. Now, there are only three photos, which leads me to believe that this is not a very popular store. It says Evangel Christian Store. There are, like I said, only three photos. Hold on. Let's traverse over to Yelp. All right. First photo posted by a lady named Amber H. who's wearing a bedazzled trucker hat and making a kissy face (laughs) as she takes a selfie. And she wrote, nice family store. And it's a blurry out of focus photo of a bunch of bedazzled rhinestone purses. Yeah. So these pictures were taken 10 years ago. It says on Yelp, there's only three And they're just kind of blurry photos of a lot of bedazzled handbags and Christian books that are, I can't really tell how they're organized because all these pictures are a little bit blurry. But it's kind of weird that this store says it's still open on Yelp, but the only reviews are from 10 years ago. I don't know. But it's also, it's like in a mall. And like I said, I don't even know if this is the same one. When I just looked up Evangel, like bookstore, this is the one that came up. Um... And I mapped it from Seattle. This is like a seven-hour drive. So this might not even be the one that he went to. Or maybe it was. And if it was, then that makes it even more haunted because he's driving to this bookstore that's seven hours away from his house. 
I feel like that adds a layer to the story. Yeah, that is odd. Yeah. That so, jumps out to me as well. So I'm not sure. Like I'm saying, like, this is me in 2023. I looked up this. This might not even be the same bookstore. The other bookstore might have went out of business. And then a new bookstore was like, oh, my God, I really loved that bookstore, Evangel Christian Bookstore. I want to make Evangel Christian Bookstore in my mall. And then they opened one in their right. mall. Okay. I have sort of a relevant story um, that's a little bit of a tangent. I'll make it quick. In my hometown, there is a Thai food restaurant that has the exact same name and is located on the same street as another Thai food restaurant. And one day I was curious. So I went to go pick up takeout because it's literally the most fucking delicious food on earth. And I went to pick up takeout and I just asked the guy behind the counter. I was like, hey, um, is it a coincidence that there are two restaurants with the exact same name serving similar food on the exact same street? And he was like, <sighs> no what happened is the owner got a divorce and like in the divorce settlement they both wanted the restaurant so the compromise was that the wife opened up the exact same restaurant down the street and now they have to like have this these like meetings every so often to make sure nobody's charging less than the other oh, like wow. like a non-compete thing but they're on the same street oh my god that is so i love that though judges like I don't get judges sometimes, yeah. you know? I don't understand what they're thinking at all. Sometimes no. there's just, like, legally, like, no resolve to situations. And perhaps I'm speaking from personal experience. <laughs> Who is to say? You know what? Judges are our friends. The legal system in general, I don't know. I feel like some judges are very nice and, and level-headed. And then they'll just be like, look, I want to do this thing for you. Yeah. But I can't because of the way that our judicial system is. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So they're like, okay, just open two restaurants. I don't, I need to go pick up my kid from school. Yeah. I can't talk about this anymore. <laughs> okay. Open up two Evangel bookstores <laughs> on the same street in the same town. The store manager of Evangel at this time was this guy named Rodney. And Rodney sees Chris come in to the store and he recognized him because he stood out to him for whatever reason. Maybe it was because he didn't look like the typical customer. Don't know what they meant by that. But he stood out. He walked over to a display of crucifixes that was at the store. So the store manager is like, how can I help you, sir? And Chris tells Rodney, I am under attack by witchcraft and I need protection. And Rodney is like, okay, like, let me hook it up. And Chris ends up leaving that Evangel store with several bags full of candles and crucifixes and different books on uh, witchcrafts and demons and protection and everything. And according to that, the sources, that same afternoon that he left the bookstore, he placed these new crucifixes all over his apartment. He put candles all over his apartment. He starts pouring salt in this thick line in front of all of the doors and all of the entries and all of the windows to his house. And he even piles it up in the corners um, mm. because salt is supposed to like ward off demons. They're not supposed to be able to cross over right. salt if they wish you harm. And he also puts on all of this different music, like different religious music um in in different rooms on different speakers so there's just like this low hum of different hymns and and gregorian chanting like over the top oh of each other yeah can you imagine how creepy that no. apartment probably looks oh my god just yeah you walk in to like bring a sandwich to your friend 
or you're a delivery driver and you knock on the door and the guy opens it and he's like, I just imagine now by this point, Chris is just so scared of what's happening that he's probably like wearing robes, anointing himself with holy water, um, holding the Bible with him. I'm, I'm laughing because imagine... You're a delivery driver. You open the door. You're trying to give a pizza to someone. And they open up the door and they're just like, ah, like all of these like chants. Like the music? Yeah. Like organs right. playing. And then you look behind him and he's just in a dimly lit room with a bunch of candles and salt, like right. with all these crucifixes. And like they've been hastily put up. So one falls down when you open oh the door. God. And Creepy stuff, right? And what's weird is that Chris was never like a religious person at all. But I get it. Now he's like, whatever. Got nothing to lose. That night, Sammy, his friend, was super worried about Chris because she hadn't heard from him and uh, stuff was not good the last time she heard from him. So she calls him. But nobody answers the phone because that same night, Chris wasn't home. He decided to stay at a hotel that night. Oh. Over the course of the next 24 hours, Chris called several other friends in a panic. He said that he had not slept in days. And he complained of supernatural forces tormenting him. Specifically, the one supernatural force that had invisible hands that tried to strangle him. He felt like that presence was, was just there all the time waiting to strike. And he could barely stave off that attack by putting out salt and candles and having the music and having everything. But he 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 felt like he couldn't do enough to make it completely go away. It was just always there, like, hovering out of the corner of his eye. Like a dementor. So Sammy, unable to get a hold of Chris, does what any good friend would do and calls the police to do a welfare check on him. So the local police, they show up at his house and they try to do a welfare check. um, But when they show up to go do the welfare check, the door to his apartment was locked and so they couldn't get in. And I guess, like, if they show up to your house and they don't have a warrant to get in and they're just starting to do a welfare check, if they knock and stuff and nobody opens and it's locked, they can't go in. There's really nothing they can do about it. That's interesting. Continue. Yeah, I guess if you really love your friend and you want to do a welfare check on him, you need to be like, this guy has a bomb strapped to him. <laughs> just swat them. Well, I mean, <laughs> they, they got to enter their house, right? That like, could end poorly for them, obviously. But what's the alternative? What are you supposed to do? Like, how do you get... You protect take, someone. You take the law into your own hands and you become Nancy Drew, use a series of intricate bobby pins to pick your friend's lock and you go inside the house. I mean, I feel like the solution is just to not have any friends because then you never have to worry about this kind of shit. Like if he had yeah. just stuck to his solitude life and like never went out to dinner with those people and just went to the gym instead... Maybe this wouldn't have happened, but that's probably really wrong of me to think that and say that and propose that thought. So perhaps uh, we can just throw it away. Pretend I didn't say it at all. That was someone else. Well, let me tell you where my mind has gone. I am now thinking about a movie where Santa Claus has decided that he no longer wishes to deliver presents. But since he can still get into people's homes through the chimney, he is now a private detective who people hire to go through their friends' chimneys and check on them. Oh, that's a great idea. Thank Wait, you. that's not already a movie? No. Five million dollars. Sign it now. April 17th, the next day, Sammy tries to call Chris again. And remember, this is 1991. So it's like, you know, you call, you just keep getting the answering machine. Yeah. There's really nothing else you can do. Right. Nobody picks up the phone. But Christopher's answering machine message had changed. <gasps> 
The new answering machine message seemed strange in the light of the past few nights. In the new message, Chris sounds calm and resigned of his fate. Chris explains that they, the paranormal entities, had almost taken him the previous night and that today would be his last day on Earth as he was expecting to die that very night. And I have, according to one source, the exact quote of his last message to Sammy. It says, quote, You know they're trying. They're trying to kill me. So whatever I do to set myself up doesn't work anymore. This is what it's coming down to. I'm not looking forward to tonight. It's serious. Very serious. My life. End quote. This is very scary. I I can see why Sammy receiving that text message would be extremely alarmed it and call nine one one. It was a text message. It was a voice message. Oh, it was a voice message. Yeah, that's oh what my saying. god! We didn't have text messages then. Oh yeah, nineteen ninety one. Some people had car phones, um, but it cost like eight hundred dollars to make a phone call. So it would only be if like your car crashed down a cliff. What do you make of that last message though? That that quote. It sounds to me like. He is expecting perhaps this entity that had previously wrapped its hands around his neck and strangled him. It sounds like he's sort of expecting some entity to succeed this time. It seems like up until this point, the the demons have been sort of like toying with him almost. Like, right. I'm going to strangle you, but then I'm going to let go. And now, and he's been trying to resist. He's been buying crosses, salt, and he just feels like it's getting worse and worse and worse. And I'm done trying to find a solution tonight. Like, if I die, I die. Yeah, that's how I interpret that, too. Chris spent his last day on Earth visiting a Catholic priest, and he returned to that religious bookstore, Evangel, one more time. According to MorbidCuriosity.com, quote, Rodney, the store manager, described Chris as appearing exhausted and desperate, seeking further advice on how to defend himself against the paranormal entities. Rodney was more than willing to offer his expertise to Chris in his time of need, end quote. So Chris buys more religious books from the store and he returns home. We're not exactly sure what happened after Chris left that bookstore. However, on the morning of April 18th, Chris's body was found completely dressed, kneeling in his bathtub, with his head facing the wall, leaning on it, surrounded by candles that had been burned down all the way past the wick, melted all over his bathtub with a circle of salt surrounding him oh my god there was a low hum of music playing throughout the house and candles that had all burned down completely all over the house there was salt everywhere there were open books that were detailing how to fight supernatural and paranormal entities and chris had scribbled notes on how to fight demons and paranormal entities and how to overcome evil everywhere but he was just dead it didn't look like there was any foul play so there's no weapon around him that they can see so far like there's no telltale sign of a struggle clearly because he's just perfectly dressed laying with his head in the bathtub you said yeah so he was basically kneeling in the bathtub like on his oh his whole body yeah on his knees like with his hands in prayer and then his head was just leaning up against the wall because he was dead so you know his body 
had just collapsed that way, I guess. That's that's in, that's that's honestly very crazy because you would imagine that if somebody had some sort of like like let's say you got scared to death and you had a heart attack. If you're having a heart attack, you're not going to die in such a like perfectly posed manner. Mm -hmm. If you drown yourself, then obviously the bathtub's going to be full of water when they get there. If, if so the only thing I can think of that the skeptics might be saying is maybe there was some sort of overdose situation. But other than that, I can't think of what logical explanation there could be. Love where your head's at. In an article for the Seattle Times dated April 22nd, 1991, a headline reads, Occult clues baffle police probing weird death scene. Victim reportedly terrified by spurned woman's curse. The author Louis T. Corsoletti and Eric Nalder write, quote, It will be two or three weeks before King County police can unravel the mysterious death of a North King County man whose body was found surrounded by occult symbols. Prompted by information from a Fayetteville, North Carolina woman who told police the man felt his life was in jeopardy after a woman put a curse on him, King County Police found the body of Christopher Case, 35, in an empty bathtub in his apartment in the 1300 block of North 152nd Street 13. shortly after 4 p.m. on Thursday. There's no evidence of foul play, but the presence of several crucifixes and piles of kosher salt throughout the apartment have baffled investigators. King County Police Major Jackson Beard said the salt and other objects found at the scene, quote, have some significance in self-protection against demons or evil forces, end quote. A book called Strange Customs explains that salt is a devil repellent. Police found lines of salt poured along the base walls throughout the apartment with piles at the corners. The same thing was done on the porch where the salt was poured in geometric designs. Quote, it's pretty clear he thought something was going on, end quote, said Beard of the deceased man. However, Beard said, quote, the crime scene doesn't suggest that someone came in and did something to him, end quote. Beard said police will know more when tests are done that determine if there were any toxic substances in his bloodstream. That test will take at least two weeks. Quote, at this point, this is a suspicious death, something that needs to be explained, end quote, said Beard, who's commander of the King County Police North Precinct. Quote, I don't believe there was any foul play. Obviously, though, I'd like to know what the toxicology report says. This could be suicide, a natural death, or there could be something else going on here, end quote. The unnamed woman who tipped off police was a friend of Case. She told police that Case felt his life was in jeopardy after a woman from San Francisco put a curse on him several weeks ago. Letters, notes, and other written material found in the apartment appeared to support that information. There was evidence that Chase was seeking psychic help to ward off the curse. Sammy Soder, a woman from North Carolina who telephoned the Seattle Times, believes Chase may have died from fright. She said Chase hauled her several times over the past few weeks, expressing strong fear for his life. Quote, he said he met a woman who was a witch and was attempting to get him to be enamored of her. When he refused to respond, the woman supposedly put a curse on him. End quote, said Soder. 
Soder, who expressed shock at his death, said she had known Case for 10 years and that he had always been stable. But a week ago, she said Case had called and left a message on her recorder that, quote, people are trying to do things to me, end quote. He did not elaborate. Quote, he left the same message with our friend in Fayetteville. He was frantic, she said. Both women tried to contact Case by several phone calls over the next three days. Finally, the woman in Fayetteville called King County Police and expressed concern over Case's welfare. Soder said police went to the apartment a couple of times, but there was no response. It was locked during those times, but when police returned the last time, the door was unlocked. Police found lines of salt poured around the base walls throughout the apartment and on the porch. Wow. True crime, in general, makes me uncomfortable. So the thing that I'm thinking right now, I'm going to say, and if it seems inappropriate, it can be cut. However, you know how cocaine is bad for humans, but you do it any, some people do it anyway, and <laughs> just a little bit, not enough to kill you, just a little bit to have a party, right? Right. I, I had a roommate that told me it was good for you in small amounts. Mm. Remember that roommate? Yeah, that person. They were like, yeah, just a little bit. And actually, like, it just enhances your ability to be human. That's false. But, <laughs> but you know, this leads me to believe, is salt cocaine for demons and maybe the demons were able to get to him because they were snorting small quantities of salt that he had laid out on the ground and they were like we're ready to party i thought the salt though oh so you're saying that because they say the salt is bad for demons yeah but cocaine is bad for humans and we just can't stop doing it right that perhaps the demons are actually attracted by the salt because yeah. they're demons and they're bad yeah and they like the bad stuff yes. that's bad for them yes now you've got I it see the train of thought and for once i actually understand what you're talking about and i think it makes a lot of sense yes. actually yeah you know, we're talking about demons like everything that's bad that's grotesque yeah. that's terrible that's that's not supposed to be good is what they like yes and so if we're trying to do something that's that's trying to ward them off that hurts them maybe they like it it's like self-flagellation yes like, fuck yeah spank me daddy with that salt yeah exactly like oh yeah they're laying out salt lines for me all around the house right let's call all of our other friends that are demons and have have a demon party I love it when you choke me while I sniff the salt. Ew. <laughs> Wait, does that mean that they think when they're tormenting humans, they think it's actually good? No, I, th I think if they thought it was good, that it would be bad and then they wouldn't like it. And that, they're stuck. That's why they're demons. Wow. Like they're stuck it's, in this weird conundrum where yeah. if they like something, then it's, it's bad. Then it's bad. Because liking something is good. Wait, no, that doesn't make no, sense. No, no, no. They still just like bad stuff. They like <laughs> stuff that's bad. And then they inflict bad stuff on people. And then they're like, this is fucking awesome because it's bad. But it also makes them happy. And happiness is good. If it makes you happy, happy then it can't, can't be, be that, that bad. bad. Right. Is that if what she was talking about? If it makes you happy, snort the, the salt off so my sad. abs. Yeah. So don't know the answer to that question. But uh, I love that hypothetical situation. I'm very interested, going back to the true crime part, I'm just out of practice with true crime because it generally makes me very anxious because as the entire world knows, I don't want to die. 
Um, it's a it's a big problem in my life where I'm constantly thinking of how to not die. So hearing about somebody dying just immediately makes me super uncomfortable. And then I want to talk about something small in the story that was in the background that's not the focus. But I understand that this is a podcast and that I need to respond to what the episode's actually about and not just distract with stories of demons snorting um, salt. So I would say I am very interested. I agree with the person in the newspaper article that you read who said, you know, we'll have to wait for the toxicology report because that's the only thing I can think of in Mm. order to die in such a um, composed manner like fully dressed it sounds like you know kind of dressed to the nines very clean um hands folded head bowed it just it doesn't seem like it would be some sort of sudden spur of the moment death right you know i i don't know um the answer to any of those questions because i'm not a coroner i'm not a doctor (laughs) uh not a cardiologist uh not anything so i don't know like um when you die do you die peacefully like in a praying position don't know uh let's continue on with the story and see if we find out to say an autopsy revealed that christopher's death was caused by myocarditis oh do you know what myocarditis is is that when you have an infection of the outer layer of the heart it's the inflammation of the heart that will eventually cause heart failure. Mm. So the the placement of his body was peculiar, like we said, but there was apparently no signs of foul play. And Chris was, you know, discovered fully dressed in the bathtub, like leaning his head against the wall, facing it. Uh, so I don't know, like when you're having heart failure, is that like, isn't that painful? It can be. Um, I'm wondering, maybe this impending sense of doom he was feeling was due to this myocarditis, and he didn't know what it was because he's not a doctor and wasn't getting studies done, but the body can can often tell, not always, when something is physically wrong and it sends like these panic signals to your brain. And we've talked about this before on the podcast. And that's why if somebody comes into the ER and says, I'm going to die, like doctors and nurses or whatever are trained to take that seriously because it's very rare for someone to actually like definitively be like, if you don't do something, I am going to die. Mm -hmm. And impending doom is like a symptom of some sort of terminal uh, problem. Right. Because everyone's a little bit psychic. Yeah. According to morbidcuriosity.com, quote, myocarditis is a rare but potentially fatal condition that affects approximately one in every 100,000 people. It's not inherited and it can strike anyone at any time, end quote. So a lot of people are like, well, that couldn't have happened to him because he was like young and he was healthy. And and I'm saying it doesn't really matter. Like it's a freak thing could happen to anybody. Very true. An article that was published May 4th, 1991 in Greensboro, North Carolina was titled, Heartfailed man who feared curse. The article reads, quote, A former rally radio broadcaster found dead in his bathtub in Seattle in April died of heart failure, according to the Washington authorities. The death of Christopher Case, 35, had drawn wide interest because he had expressed fear of a witch's curse. The cause of death was acute myocarditis, said Tony Burt, spokesman for the King County Police in Seattle. 
Officers found his clothed body in the waterless tub April 18th after they were asked to check on him by his woman friend in Fayetteville. There was no sign of crime, no sign of violence, robbery, or foul play, said Rich Garner, a medical investigator with the King County Medical Examiner's Office. About 10 spent candles and crucifixes were found in Case's apartment. Lines of salt had been poured along the base of the apartment walls. That article is basically just saying that they thought they found through the autopsy that it was myocarditis. So let's talk about the theories. Yes, please. Theory number one is that he died of myocarditis that was caused by fright. So essentially, he was so afraid and so scared of this curse that it led to myocarditis, which eventually killed him. Um. But theory number two is basically the reverse of that. That is perhaps he already had myocarditis. And like you said, his body knew that he had this mm. heart problem going on. And so he had a sense of impending doom. On r slash unresolved mysteries, user Jedi underscore Rabbi says in response to this theory, quote, physician here. Not a cardiologist, but I've never heard of fear causing myocarditis. It's usually from an infection or a toxin. I can't really think of a mechanism for fear to cause myocarditis. If you have massive adrenaline release, it can overwork your heart, but that would cause ischemia. Really interesting. Thanks for the write-up. Thank God a cardiol or a doctor has weighed in here because that is that's exactly what I needed. Someone to be like, no, it's not possible. Because otherwise, I'm just sitting here like, well, maybe the skeptics have won because mm-hmm. I don't know anything about the heart. Perhaps fear does ca- cause myocarditis or perhaps the fear was caused by myocarditis. But it sounds like this guy is saying you can't scare yourself into my- myocarditis. Right. But who was that guy? Yeah. Uh, what'd you say his name was? Jedi? Uh, Jedi underscore Rabbi. <laughs> All right. Well, you slash feminist 6969. <laughs> was that just you? No. Is that your alt account? No, but I fucking love that name. Feminist 6969. Responded, quote, question. Worked in a coroner's office for a summer, and we had a case where a guy with pulmonary embolism had been described as being in a, quote, altered state of consciousness, Mm. screaming, convinced that he was dying prior to being taken to the hospital. He obviously ended up dying, but the pathologist mentioned that it wasn't uncommon for people who die from something like an embolism to have a sense of doom, to feel as if they were dying, hysterics, etc., is it possible there was some underlying disease mechanism or just poor heart health that could have triggered the hallucinations and paranoia and that the myocarditis was just the result of whatever was ailing him? Like his body knew something was wrong, plus the woman's curse, equals, I think I'm dying because I've been cursed by a witch. I know it's just one thing to feel shortness of breath and be convinced you're dying and a different thing to think you're cursed by a witch, but still curious, haha. And other people responded and were like, yeah, that's a real thing. And basically told me what you said, which was that, yes, the body creates the impending sense of doom when it knows something is wrong. All right. So now we're back where we started and it's not debunked. Yeah. Well, I have a doctor that we can talk to, but I can't talk to him right now. So if I he said they'll talk to me next week. So maybe if I talk to him, I'll insert that uh, short clip here. Is he a cardiologist? He's a cardiologist. (gasps) Yes. So he'd be the perfect person to talk to. Yes. But as soon as we start talking to him about like witches and curses, he might just hang up the phone. So (laughs) we'll see. (laughs) 
Okay, so I was able to talk to this cardiologist. He he just didn't want to give his full name and like be on this podcast, which is understandable considering that he's a cardiologist. However, he was basically saying myocarditis is just basically inflammation of the heart and it can be caused by a bunch of different things. And I was like, okay, well, do you think someone could die from being scared to death? And he was like, I think that they could. But he said that in the 90s, when this case took place, there wasn't a whole lot of understanding on myocarditis in comparison to today. Like we know several things can cause myocarditis, autoimmune disorders can cause myocarditis, some supplements can cause that, medications can cause that. So he could have been taking some medications or on some uh, supplements that we didn't know about, that he didn't disclose with like his friends and family, we're not sure. Or it could have been an autoimmune disorder thing he doesn't know he was basically saying though his professional opinion as a cardiologist it is possible myocarditis could be the cause of his death theory number three is hallucinations um basically this theory is that chris was lacking sleep and that led to hallucinations some people go so far to say like he hallucinated that the demon was after him. He hallucinated all the voices in the dancing shadows. And some people are like, maybe he even hallucinated the woman. Like, he never told anybody this right. woman's name. Supposedly, he had this, like, enchanting conversation with her. But we we never oh. heard her name. And we only know that she really exists through accounts that he told. That's a great point. Maybe this woman wasn't even real. And he was just, yeah, maybe he had a very vivid hallucinatory dream and interpreted that as reality. And then when he came right. back from his work trip, he was like telling his friends and everyone, yeah, just took his word for it. Because how do you disprove or prove it? You can't. Right. Another point towards that theory is that he said during the demon attack that he like he was being strangled and levitated off the bed. He said he couldn't move. So that could have been like sleep paralysis. And maybe he was having bouts of sleep paralysis during waking hours. I know there's like mm -hmm. certain medications that can do that to you. I know that there's um, certain like neurobiological stuff that can happen that can make it seem like you're dreaming when you're awake and also employ that paralyzed feature that humans have while we're sleeping. I forget what it's called. Right. So maybe it was one of those. Yeah. I mean, during periods of extreme stress, the human body does weird things. Um, I, in your episode that you did on sleep paralysis, I believe you said that, that some people say, well, sleep paralysis is known to happen amongst people who are super stressed out. So that explains why there's all these like negative entities and negative hallucinations associated with sleep paralysis. Like you never have sleep paralysis and think that you're winning the lottery and everyone loves you and you're getting a massage. It's always this scary creature undone dead zombie woman trying to have sex with me I think and if you were like winning the lottery and all that good stuff was happening to you that would just be a dream right like you're still paralyzed you're not supposed to be moving during your dream but you're not trying to get away from it so you don't notice that you're paralyzed yeah yeah anyways the next theory <laughs> is that the witch's curse is real but is that witch slander and here's why oh. on r slash unresolved mysteries you user seeing red again says, quote, I'm a witch and I can tell you that putting curses on people isn't as easy as it looks in the movies. 
the amount of hatred and anger you'd have to hone and maintain and channel would take an incredible amount of effort and time. Your mother-in-law is right. Witches believe in doing no harm. With love spells targeted at a specific person, you're undermining their free will, which is harmful. But if a witch is going to curse a perfect stranger with death just for turning them down, they'd probably have no problem subverting their will and basically committing rape. I personally feel the man in question was ill and hallucinated the entire thing. Witches don't go around just popping off curses and spells. Plus, telling a person they've been cursed can weaken its effects. Oh. It's like Fight Club. You do not talk about your spells. End quote. I find this person credible because they're a witch that's also a Chevelle fan to the point where they have dedicated their Reddit account username. Wait, what's Chevelle? Chevelle is a band that was popular in the early 2000s and their main song, the main lyric in the chorus was like, seeing red again, seeing red again. Oh. Yeah. Oh, I thought they were talking about Taylor Swift. Oh, well, maybe. So do we believe, <laughs> do we trust an early 2000s yeah, uh, alt witch? Yes. Or do we trust a Swifty witch? Both. A witchty. A, uh, both. Wi- a whifty. Both are extremely credible. credible. Yeah. All right. Case closed. Witches yeah. did no harm. They're not at fault. But also to add to Witchlander as well, that could be Witchlander because we had a witch on our podcast who said that they don't believe that curses are like bad magic. Oh. They don't believe in bad magic and good oh. magic. Remember Shawan yeah. was just saying that like ma- magic is basically just oh, like a right. force and that we try to put morality on it, but there is no morality. It's just like mother nature. So in that, so in Shawan's uh, like coven, like in her hypothetical coven, she would not allow someone to be like in her witch group if they were that fucking haunted, right? Because you wouldn't even have that morality. It wouldn't even occur to you like, I'm going to curse this person with demons that are going to haunt their dick because you'd be like, why would I do that? I I don't have that concept of human morality. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Because you wouldn't be feeling rejected. Yeah. Because you wouldn't care if someone doesn't fuck you. Yeah. Yeah. Just, you know. I don't know. I haven't asked Shawan, but we sure do like to bring her her up on this podcast and loop her in as our credible witch source. This is that's like who wants to be a millionaire when they're like uh, they ask you a question. They're like, do you know the answer? And you're like, no, I don't. Okay, do you want to phone a friend? (laughs) Right. This is time. Let's phone the demons. Oh, I love that. idea. Yeah. Yes. That's one of our phone of friends. Theory number five is foul play. One of the things that happened that was pretty sketch is when the police came in to find his body, the door was unlocked. The front door was unlocked. Oh, So could that be like poison? Remember in the episode on Baba Anoinka, we talked about how there are poisons that you can give people over time, like little tiny drops of things that can go undetected in autopsies, like they wear off before them that can cause heart failure. True. A point toward this theory is that some sources say that Chris was acting super paranoid and other people were saying that he was level-headed. So are the people who were like, oh yeah, he was super paranoid, are those the people who were somehow benefiting from his death? Like- 
to me, I'm like, this Sammy person that was a psychic that was his good friend that he was talking to a lot. I don't know. Maybe she could benefit from this. I think we need to figure out what did he have, if anything? Was any of it valuable? Did he have a will? If so, who was his beneficiary? Did he have a life insurance policy? Where were his friends at the approximate time of his death? Are there any cameras on the street outside? Can we pinpoint anyone coming in or leaving? Can we do a like search? Let's do a search warrant for anyone's cell phone that pinged the tower. There's no cell phones. Oh. Then you know what? <laughs> then we're at a loss. If look. And remember because he had the little cuts on his fingers too. So yeah. technically someone could have been poisoning him, come in at night while he's sleeping. And paper cut with his, his fingers. Shit. Yeah, paper cut him, whatever. And then he wakes up the next morning and he has like these crazy terrifying memories. But really it was just someone crazy and terrifying who like wore a mask and like was fucking with him while he was sleeping. Here's the thing. If you died in the early 90s, your death just wasn't ever getting solved. Yeah. Like prior to um, like CCTV becoming popularized throughout the U.S., which has only like very recently happened. Um, and then you just died and everyone was like, well, the toxicology report came back normal and he did have kind of an inflamed heart. So case closed. Right. Yeah. They're like, there's no foul play here. And mm-hmm. they're like, what does foul play even mean? I don't yeah. know. I just heard you're supposed to say that. Yeah. It's when when you... a case is closed, you just say no foul play. Yeah. You just, just hit like a foul ball. Sports. And... Yeah. 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 And then it's a play. (laughs) Theory number six is that the myocarditis was caused by vitamins or supplements. So we know Mm. that vitamins and supplements even today are not regulated and some of them are made in very unsterile conditions or in places where we cannot verify what exactly is in our vitamins or supplements. That's a true story, guys. Taking vitamins and supplements can be scary. It's supposed to be good for you. Make sure you know where you're getting your shit from. So someone's like, hey, he could have been taking diet pills that were basically like uh, uppers at this time and a point. Yeah, a point towards this theory is that someone on reddit was saying like well he might have been taking ephedrine supplements it was really popular in the 90s and didn't get banned until the early 2000s and one of the side effects of ephedrine is that it causes paranoia and hallucinations the last theory is that it's a hoax some people think that oh. this story isn't real at all and that christopher what? didn't exist um because that this was the 90s and it's hard to find like information of him but i found a picture of this tombstone that says his name you want to see the picture wow okay natalia is showing me a like really stretched out cross like stretched out horizontally and it says oh well that wouldn't have been him right he died 1991 yeah, but born 1955. Wasn't he supposed to be in his 30s? Yeah. I, I'm What's also- 91 minus 55? 55. 36. Yeah, that's him. 36? Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh. But okay, here's a point towards him being fake. That only picture you've shown me of him looks like an AI generated painting. It could have been like a still from a VHS tape from the 80s, you know? Yeah, could have been. If he was this person who, like, doesn't really like to date people that just kind of sticks to himself, he's into ancient music because he's not about that life, um, maybe he didn't have his photo taken a lot. And so maybe someone had to pull that picture from a videotape of him that was taken. Because in that picture, it's it the, um, what do you call it, the ratio of it is not like a camera. The ratio yeah. is like a film. 
the aspect ratio. Look, I'm shook right now because I just realized that my parents were in their early 30s when I was born. And so I am like spiraling internally. I had that same realization when I did this too, is I was like, what the fuck? This guy was born in 1955? No, he wasn't because he was young. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, wait a second. He's literally my parents' age. Well, he's he's older than my parents. That's what's throwing me off is I'm like, what is happening? What do you mean you can be born in 1955 and be in your 30s at some point in your life? Yeah, I know. It seems fake. <laughs> it's weird that people age. <gasps> yeah. And they, I, I like just froze everyone in my life like exactly how they were for some reason when I was in high school. I don't know mm. why. Like I froze my parents look that way. I froze my relatives looked all that way. Like all my friends looked that way. And now whenever I see them, I'm like, oh my God, everyone looks so old because I just froze them at that age. Did anyone else do that? Like freeze everyone in their life at a certain point? Write in with your thoughts. Let's get haunted pod at gmail.com. Just kidding. Go comment on the photo dump at Let's Get Haunted uh, with the answer to that question. For the record, Christopher's friends believe that he did die from supernatural entities. Really? Yeah. They're all like, you know what? He had no history of mental illness, no history of any medical issues. He had been taking the same supplements and doing the same routine forever and nothing weird ever happened. And then he goes to San Francisco and meets this woman and everything changed. And I can see how it would be really tough if you have someone in your life that all of a sudden starts acting as if they're mentally unhinged, how it would be hard for you to believe that out of nowhere suddenly they're just mentally unhinged like people back then didn't know as much as we know now about mental illness and I mean even now it's hard to accept change like that when someone's like oh I'm mentally ill you're like why (laughs) you weren't yesterday (laughs) it's a tough it's certainly a tough situation to wrap your head around I don't know what the answer is. It seems pretty suspect that there were no substances in his system because if he was on epinephrine or whatever or whatever, I don't know. Yeah, you're right. It would have showed up in the toxicology. It would have showed up in the toxicology report. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't know. What do you, what do you think? I feel like, I feel like there's some foul play or something. (sighs) Something weird is going on. I wish that he had kept a diary explaining like, hey, here's what I'm going to do. I found this rare plant i distilled it down i'm going to drink it it's not going to be visible in the toxicology report i've had it with these demons that's what's happening or i wish he would write down ah i'm being attacked by demons currently it's 9 52 p.m and i'm in my bathtub and that's the last entry because then we would have some clarity right (laughs) wow yeah yeah sorry he didn't keep enough records for you while he was literally being a victim of abuse by either mental illness demons or a murderer you want to know why i say this because my mental illness compels me to document (laughs) and so i if this were happening to me i would have many many records written about it but that's a different problem and i can't wish my problems on others Mm -hmm. so he didn't i mean look bottom line he didn't deserve to die he was way too young sounds like he was really going through it um, we need to find this woman. I wish that he had told anyone what her first and last name was and what town she was from so that we could see whether or not she existed. If she really did curse someone because they wouldn't bone her to the sound of ancient mummies wailing, then I think she's the worst person on earth. And her karma came back to her tenfold because you can't just do that to people and have no consequences. 
I googled ancient music witch and I couldn't find her. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> she pops right up. We just crack the code with a Google That's search. That's what I'm saying, though. Like, the 90s were a wild time. Yeah. Like, there's no social media. Now you can find anyone for yeah. doing anything. Yep. Um, which is good and bad. Bad for for just happiness in general, but good for solving cases. Yeah. One of my friends who I'm not going to name um, because she listens to this show texted me uh, a couple days ago and was like, hey, uh, there's like this person that we were trying to. F- I was mildly interested in some bit of gossip that one someone in our friend group had told us about a person that none of us knew and and whatever. My One of my friends literally was like, well, I've got all the time in the world. So right now, because like I don't work today, so I'm just going to um like figure out who this person is. And like she figured out who the dentist was of that person. <laughs> like that's how deep down the rabbit hole she went. And wow. I was like, you know what? If I ever need like finding, I'm going to hire her. Right. Yeah. Well, maybe ask her about this this witch. I will. What do you think about the story? I think it's crazy. I It makes me, again, very uncomfortable. I don't like the idea that someone could be cursing me right now and, like, exacerbating some pre-existing condition. And then I die surrounded by candles. Um, and then people are arguing decades later about whether or not I even existed. And that's why you have to document. You have to sh- tell people, I was here. Here's the proof. I'm not fake. Um, and maybe that's what this podcast is. So that's my thoughts. Uh, last thing I want to talk about is just that person saying that curses are like fight club. Like you don't talk about mm-hmm. your curses and your spells because it weakens them. Mm-hmm. So does that mean that if somebody is actively like threatening you or saying out loud, like all this bad stuff that they're doing for to you or whatever, like wishing ill on you and, um, it less likely will happen because like they're less likely to curse you through mistake of their own through evil eye or whatever oh my god they're like being loud about it yes and that is very comforting yeah right yeah yeah so if you really want to fuck someone up and that's why it's so dangerous i watched this youtube video that was talking about (laughs) uh friends you have that might sabotage you it was like the the five people you need to cut out of your life and i love cutting people out of my life and one of them was like the secret friend, like, I can't remember what it was called. It was, like, more sensationalist. But they were like, this is a friend that, like, is the most dangerous because they're in your inner circle and they don't want you to win. Like, everything you do makes them jealous. Like, they're constantly wishing um, that, like, you know, you don't get everything that you want. And every time you do, they feel bitter and jealous towards you. And they're dangerous because they're in your inner circle. Like, they're the ones that are texting you that are like, oh, my God, I'm so excited for you. Or, like, can't wait to hear about it or whatever. And that's just fucking drove me crazy because I was like wait is this real does everyone have this friend in their friend group or is this like a one in a hundred thousand people is this like a rare disease that you have the secret ill wisher friend or is this like a common thing you know like do I need to worry about this because I was thinking through all my friends and I was like well they all wish me well often (laughs) they all seem to like me they're all like hey are we gonna get together for your birthday are they the ones you know yeah okay I was just going through your friends in my mind as you were saying this and I was like you know what what if you discovered that the person in your friend's circle that wishes ill upon you is actually Enzo and then you're with this conundrum of what do I do right I'm sure there are can't cut your son out 
Yeah, I'm sure they're... Well, that's why you can't be friends with your kids. Yeah. That's salt. We solved it. Whoa. Okay. Case closed. Bye-bye. Interesting. Yep. So, um, yeah. So, if you really don't like someone and you just don't say it out loud and you just keep your hatred inside, it's yeah. actually more powerful than spewing out hate. Hot tip for all the evildoers out there. <laughs> do you want to do our sign-off? I do. Um, BRB gotta go snort some salt at the Christian Evangelical Bookstore. Bye! On a summer night, Douglas Wagg Jr. lay motionless across a strip of railroad tracks before being struck by an oncoming train. I'm investigative journalist Delia D'Ambra, and my investigation into exactly how Doug died took me into the depths of a bizarre mystery. It was really hard to understand what was fact and what wasn't. A mystery that has led me from one suspicious death to another. Listen to CounterClock now, wherever you listen to podcasts.